Christian Sergs. It's great to, um, great to be with you this morning. Um, it's a pretty daunting challenge to speak on parenting. Um, I've only been, I, was, I put on Facebook this morning, on my Facebook profile, I said, um, I, I said I'm looking forward to preaching at Forest Town Church this morning. And I said, um, my, I'm preaching on parenting. And I said, my children have been helping me prepare for this message for five years now, and I still don't feel ready for it. Um, so this message has been in the making for about five years. That's how long I've been a parent. We've got three children, Lucy, who's five, Joel, who's three, and Toby, who's one. So I feel like I'm just beginning to work out some of the challenges, let alone the answers to parenting. Some of you are way further ahead of me than this. Um, so hopefully by the end of it, we'll have helped each other to work through the challenge of raising little kids, little treasures, aren't they, little kids? Don't you little uh, Emma and Zach look like little treasures this morning? who are going to grow up into little terrors. Isn't that what happens? Our little treasures become little terrors. And uh, before I had children, I always used to think that before I had children, some of the best live entertainment out there in the world today was a child throwing a tantrum and a parent trying to deal with it. Don't you think that? I always used to think that was brilliant live entertainment, isn't it? Sometimes you see it in the high street or even in church. It's brilliant until it's your kid. Um, and then it's not so funny. And on the screen, you're going to see a video clip, which I'm, I'm taking a bit of a risk showing this to you, because this was actually a commercial that was banned. So they're not even allowed to show it on TV in the world, and I'm showing it in church. This could be the last time I ever get to preach in this church. But this is how the world responds to the challenge of parenting. And I promise you, we're going to respond differently, but first from the world. Here we go. <laughs> so it's been nice being with you for a sentence as well. <laughs> a little bit on the risky side today in church, but I thought it was funny because I thought, yeah, that is how we feel sometimes, isn't it? Gosh, have I done the right thing um, having kids and the challenge of it all? Um, but for some of us, it's a bit too late for that advice. Uh, and so instead, we need to think more positively about the challenge. Um, of parenting. And uh, whilst I put that on the screen, you know, that's some of the challenge that we feel of having kids. And actually, interestingly, um, in the UK in 2010, for the first time for, for decades, the birth rate had fallen statistically, which is a sign that people really are wondering, is the hassle and the exhaustion and the expense of it all worth it? Um, we're choosing other careers and other callings instead of having kids. But the Bible says it is worth it. God says actually the greatest gift he could give to a, a human family is the gift of children. And that they are, children are a blessing from the Lord. So they're a very, very positive gift from God that we need to learn to parent. Now I realize as I talk about this, um, I'm treading on some eggshells. I think I said that last time. I say it again this morning because some of us may want to have children and for different reasons not be able to. 
and this is going to be hard, and I'm sorry about that. I'm praying the grace of God for you. Some of us may even have lost kids, you know, through death or other horrible experiences that life can bring. I pray grace for you. And some of us um, may just feel the challenge of being single parents. You know, we, we, I'm going to talk about God's ideal where a father and a mother raise children. But that isn't always the way it works, is it? And so I am conscious there are some tough issues surrounding this message. I just pray that if you're facing one of those pains, God will give you grace for this. But I'll tell you the other reason I'm on eggshells this morning is because of us as parents. And what I mean is this, we are, as parents rightly, we are fiercely protective of our children, aren't we? And that's a good thing. But what often happens is we're also fiercely protective of the way that we are parenting our children. And that's a different thing. You notice the difference? One is about them, the other is actually about us, isn't it? We can be deeply defensive and insecure about how we're doing as parents. So we're fiercely protective of our children, that's about them and that's a good thing, but we can become fiercely defensive about how we're parenting our children. That's actually about us and it's not a good thing. Now if you don't believe me, um, try stepping in to help the next time you see a parent struggling with their child. like that video clip. Have you ever tried that? I did it once. Um, And after several expletives, I decided never to try that again. Probably arrogantly on my part anyway. Try stepping in to help someone who's struggling with parenting and you realize how how personally we feel about this issue. That's why I'm on eggshells. And, And a slightly milder version of this, have you ever tried inviting a parent to a parenting course? Have you ever done this? Don't ever do that either. It's very dangerous, you know, because you mean it positively. You say to a parent, you say, you know, we're running a parenting course. We think it'd be fantastic if you came along. And their face drops. Why? Because they're looking inside themselves and they're saying, why? What are you trying to say? You know, are you saying I'm not a good parent? Instantly, we're on the defensive with this, aren't we? Now, I just want to say that as parents, let's relax a little bit. Because on the one hand, we shouldn't feel this pressure to be brilliant parents. Why? Because just because we've had kids does not qualify us to be parents, does it? You know, the one is different to the other. How we got kids is a very different set of skills. (laughs) Putting that very delicately this morning. How we got kids is a very different set of skills to how we raise kids. Just because you've got them doesn't qualify us to be brilliant at raising them. Would you agree? And yet we can be very defensive about anyone suggesting that we might need help or training or coaching in terms of how we do it. You know, I I remember recently, um, I think the Labour government previously um, suggested about mandatory parenting courses, that it would be um, something that everyone had to go through. And there was uproar about it. And I remember thinking to myself at the time, wouldn't it be strange if there was suddenly an uproar from all pilots because the government was insisting that before they fly a plane, they must at least take a course in how to fly it. You know, imagine if the pilots all turned around and said, you know, nanny state. Who who do they think they are telling us pilots that we need a course before we can fly a plane? But we'd be thinking, no, 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 if you're going to take responsibility for precious lives, you should have some instruction on that. Amen? Now, if we are to take responsibility for precious little lives, we are raising in our homes the future of Britain, if we're to do that, surely we would want some instruction on how to do it. Now, it just so happens (laughs) that Forest Town Church, I'm led to believe, is starting a parenting course the first week of June. Is that right? So can I encourage us? Let's drop all of our guards, all of our defensiveness. It's okay to say, I think I'm getting some things right, but I really got loads to learn. 
And so if someone invites you to a parenting course, or maybe don't wait for that, why not sign up and just say, surely if I'm going to embark on the challenge of parenting at whatever stage I'm at in that journey, I want to get as much help as I can and do the best job that I can. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, this morning, I'm just going to give a few introductory thoughts then about parenting, and they're going to come, very importantly, from the Bible. And I say that because I don't want you to think that the basis for my confidence in this message is my parenting. Behind me is my challenge. That's uh, myself and my wife with our three children. And the power of this message is not because we are getting it all right. Far from it. The Bible gives us God's authority on the issues of life, including parenting. Now, interestingly, I think I mentioned this last time, the guy who wrote the passage we're going to read, he'd never even had kids. (laughs) He was a single guy who'd never had kids, a guy called Paul. So it's ironic, isn't it, that 2,000 years later, we're going to get some instruction now from a guy on parenting who's never had kids, who's never been a parent. Is that strange? Sounds strange, doesn't it? He'd never known the challenge of parenting. He'd never found his son picking up a worm about to eat it. Have you ever seen your your child do that? And then found at the other end that he's got worms. And then... (laughs) Both of those have been our experience of parenting in the past week. Both of those two things. He bit into the worm, and then we found that he had worms. Anyway, I don't want to go into all the detail, but the Apostle Paul, he'd never done that, had he? He'd never faced those challenges of life. Come on, parents. Be with me here. You've been through this as well, surely. Come on. This is just normal, run-of-the-mill stuff, isn't it? But we come back to this, not because of Paul, but because through Paul, God, the Father, has inspired his word for us as parents. And so if you click onto the next slide, you'll see Paul, he says in Ephesians 3, he says, for this reason, he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. For this reason I kneel before the Father. What's he saying? He's saying because we need help. (laughs) Because we are parents who are struggling For this reason, as parents, we're on our knees and we're saying, God the Father, would you help us to instruct and raise our children? There's help at hand, folks. And it's not coming from me, it's not coming from Paul, it's coming from God. He's a father, he knows how to, the whole idea of children, and he wants to help us to do the same. So with that in mind, sometimes as parents, I'm sure you feel that we are brought to our knees. (laughs) You ever feel that as parents? You're, You're on your knees with some of the challenges that you are facing. Well, that's actually a place of weakness, being on your knees, and it also could become a place of power, couldn't it? Because if our children bring us to our knees, but on our knees we pray, I bow my knee before the Father from heaven, if if on our knees we find ourselves in prayer saying, God the Father, will you help me? What was a place of weakness could become a place of strength. We look to God, and this is what he says about being children and being parents from Ephesians 6. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I feel like bringing them all back in there, don't you? <laughs> Sit back in here and listen to this, kids. <laughs> Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. I want you just to notice with me that before Paul gets on to being parents, he starts with being children. The instruction begins for the children. And I want to start there as well, because not all of us in this room are parents, but all of us are children. And we are all in some kind of relationship with our parents, even if they're dead. We're still relating to the legacy that they have put into our lives. So all of us are children. 
And I think part of what Paul's doing in moving from being children to being parents is he's making the connection, which is this. How you have been as a child will have a massive impact on how you will be as a parent. I mean, that's obvious, isn't it? How we were raised will be reflected in how we raise our children. If you want to know how, what kind of parent you're going to be, the best way to find that out would be to look back at your parents. Because you've heard of the saying, haven't you? Like father, like son. You know, we are always living out the dynamic relationship with our inheritance that we've received from our parents. They've raised us in a certain way, and we will find that that is a huge influence on how we now raise our children. I was uh, preaching the other week, and a lady came to hear me preach who used to be my Sunday school teacher when I was a, a, a boy, from I think the ages of about seven to ten. And um, she knew my family well, and she heard me preach, and she said afterwards, she said, oh, she said, it's listening to you, it was just like listening to your father. Now, I know what she meant, and, and she, you know, she meant you're your own person, but nevertheless, I can hear you and see, I can hear him coming through you. Now, here's the point, logically. Surely, if I preach like my father, I'm going to be parenting like my father as well, aren't I? You know, it makes sense, doesn't it, that the legacy is being passed on. We have received from our parents two crucial things. A nature, that's our DNA, the literal fibres of our being. We've received our nature and our nurture. And the two combine to be a powerful force on the way that we, through being children, now raise our children. It's going to be. It's inevitable. It's not deterministic. I don't mean to say by that that you can't change. But if we deny any connection or any influence, we'll never change. Have you ever been one of those people who says, as you've grown up and you've seen some of the, you've come to understand some of the errors maybe of your parents' ways, if you've had a difficult childhood especially, and you've grown up and you've said something like this, when I grow up, when I have children, I will not be like my father or my mother. Anyone in this room ever thought something like that? A few of us being honest and putting our hands up. Well, if we've ever felt something like that, we need to be very, very aware of the challenge of following through on those words. Because by default, by nature and by nurture, we will follow the pattern that we've inherited. I think of a guy in the Bible called Jacob. You know, you may know this guy. Um, He was a a twin with uh, a guy called Esau, born to a father, Isaac. And Isaac favoured Esau over Jacob. He loved Esau more than Jacob. Jacob grew up then with feelings of rejection, with feelings of... Um, of, of loneliness and rejection from his father, and he left home as a teenage runaway. Now, I don't doubt, as, as Jacob, having experienced the horrible effects of favoritism, as he left home, he walked away saying, when I grow up, <laughs> when I have children, I will not be like my father. He grows up, he has 12 children, and what does he do? Joseph and his Technicolor dreamcoats. You've heard the story. He does exactly what his father did. He repeats the very thing that hurts him and hurts his own family with it. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. What what we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. Generations raise generations to repeat exactly the same errors as before. And he favours Joseph over all of his other brothers, blows his whole family up as a result, and when that happens and Joseph is as good as dead in his mind, what does he do? He repents and realises the error of his ways. No, he picks another (laughs) favourite, this time Benjamin. Oh, it's hard to change, isn't it? Have you noticed this about life? Oh, it's hard to change, to really change. 
in the ways that we want to. Now, I don't say this. I don't say this to discourage or demoralize anyone. I say it to recognize that until we realize the power of how we were raised as children, we won't understand how much that's affecting how we raise our children today. Now, here's where hope is at hand. Once again, for this reason, because of all the stuff that we've inherited that we may not want to be passing on to our children, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. You see, there is another way of being parented. There is another family to belong to and another father to have. When you become a Christian, what the language the Bible uses is that you are born again. You're born into a new family with a new father in heaven. This is the great Christian prayer. Our father in heaven. Now we're able to put aside some of the negative things we've inherited from our earthly father and mother and we're able to stand under a new fatherhood in a new family. We're given a new nature. We're born again into a new nature and we're given a new nurture. Now we have another father who's teaching us what it means to be loved in an unconditional and glorious way. Now there's a whole other place from which to get resources to pass on to our children. They no longer need to feel the inheritance coming from the negative place. They can feel a new inheritance coming from a positive place, from our father in heaven. Amen? Here's the hope of every family that every father and mother will get on their knees and say, Father, from the things of my past that have been damaging, I want to say no more of that in my own family. I want to invite your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my home. Amen? And when we find that place, we find a place of freedom for ourselves and for our children. Our Father in heaven is the start of a whole new way of being a parent a whole new way of raising a family, not in the image of the past that's been difficult and negative, but in the image of God, in the likeness of his family, for he is our father. So before we get on to being parents, we need to start with being children and ask this simple question, have we become children of God? Because all good parenting starts there. All good parenting starts by embracing God as our father learning to be a child under his care and passing on to my children the kind of nurture and nature that I've received from him. All good parenting starts with being a child of God. And this morning you might be a visitor, you might just have come to support Emma and Zach and the family. I want to encourage you today that what this whole thing is about, the whole deal here, is not a bit of religion, it's not just some kind of formality, the whole deal is becoming part of God's family. Knowing him as our Father. Finding that in the places that are toughest, in our homes and families, there's a whole new power at work. A whole new way of being at work in your life. You can have that today. Because we've already celebrated the one who bought it for us. It's already paid for. You just need to activate it through faith in Jesus Christ. He brings us into a new family with a new Father, with a new nature and a new nurture, which is the hope for ourselves and our children. Now, Paul, having dealt with that, how to be a godly child, comes on then to being a godly parent. And he says there are two things that he brings together. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the instruction and correction of the Lord. I want to suggest he's dealing with the two equal and opposite dangers that as parents we walk a tightrope between. One is over-parenting and the other is under-parenting. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Paul is warning against an over-parenting. As you see a picture on the next screen, here is a a picture of 
if you like, a, a, a child, or it's, it's actually in the form of a sheep, if you click on, there is, a, there is an example of overparenting. You know, that is the exasperation of a child where they feel so controlled by such a regime or so much pressure on them that they're not free to emerge as themselves. You know what I'm talking about? Overparenting. What, what, uh, an article on the BBC website called Helicopter Parents. Helicopter parents who hover over their children relentlessly, either out of their own fear and insecurities or the own, their own pressures that they're putting on them, and they hover over them with such an intensity that the child is not allowed to be themselves, not allowed to get to know the big wide world without this hovering. We are therefore seeking to avoid the danger of overparenting and underparenting, because on the next slide you see the opposite danger. On the next slide you see the challenge of a child who feels alone in the world, left to get on with it by themselves. Parents who are absent or vacant, at least emotionally. Parents who have found other priorities, their career or other callings, and the child is given five pounds and said, you know, go off and find something to do and don't get in trouble. And it leaves the child feeling underparented, like mum and dad weren't there to care enough. All the energy was going out of the home and we were left to find our own way. Now, I don't know about you as parents, but this is our challenge, isn't it? To know how to do this so that we're not over-parenting, but equally we're not under-parenting. We're, we're helping them to find their own way, and yet we're showing them the way. This is where Paul gives some instruction. So let me say a few things about each of these dangers. Firstly, the danger of over-parenting. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Here's a couple of ways that I think we can do this. Number one is through what I want to call selfish punishments. And what I mean by this is, when our children do something wrong, it's important, as Paul will go on to say, to correct them. But it's also important about the motive for which we correct them. Deep down, we can know, can't we, where we cross an, an, an imaginary line. You know what I mean by this, parents? We step over that line, and our correction now is coming out of the fact that we are hurt. We are angry. We're embarrassed, we're disappointed with them, and we act out of that negative place against our children. Know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and we cross a line, and we know we've crossed it, because our correction is not now trying to help the child to change, it's making sure they feel the wrath of our anger and frustration with them. That exasperates a child's spirit. It leaves them feeling bitter and broken, because they don't understand the reaction that they've got because it's not coming from a considered and careful and calm place. To illustrate, a couple of weeks back, my um, daughter, who loves to dob in her brother, shouted, Daddy, Joel's thrown something. So I come into the room, I'd heard it, I'd heard something hit the door, so I knew that something had been thrown. I came into the room, and I got Joel, and I put him on the step. We have, we have the bottom step of our stairs, it's like the naughty step. So I sit him on the step, and I say, Joel, I've told you, you don't throw things, stay here for one minute. Now that was good parenting, would you agree? Good parenting. But I then went back to see what he had thrown. And I discovered that it was my Kindle. <laughs> it was my Kindle that had hit the door. <laughs> now that changed everything for me. And, I <laughs> and it kindled a new wrath in me. And I <laughs> so I went back to Joel, who I'd already disciplined in a positive way. I went back to Joel and I laid into him. I, I looked into his eyes and I, I made sure that I saw fear in him because it was my Kindle and it was my stuff and I was annoyed. And I just crossed that line. You know that line? That line that's just 
actually all about me and not about him. It was about me and my stuff, not about him and nurture and correction. And when we cross that line, we know it. I actually um, later apologized to him for it because it was wrong. That doesn't abdicate my responsibility to be his father, but sometimes we have to apologize, don't we, and recognize I got that wrong. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. We need to correct them in a way that's coming from a good place. Martin Lloyd-Jones on the next slide, puts it, or a couple of slides on, he puts it this way. Um, speaking of the importance of getting our own attitudes right, when you are disciplining a child, you should have first controlled yourself. If you try to discipline your child when you're in a temper, it is certain that you will do more harm than good. What right have you to say to your child he needs self-discipline when you obviously need it yourself? (laughs) Self-control is a prerequisite to controlling our children without exasperating them. And then secondly, selfish punishments, and secondly, selfish pressures. What I mean by this is the tendency for some of us as parents to put onto our children the extension of our own ego. Know where I'm going with this? The pressure for them to perform and to become, behind it all, something that we always wanted to be, something we long for them to be. Now, this is something I think as parents, because our children are rightly our pride and joy, this is a danger, isn't it? Because again, there's a line here. It's good for our children to be our pride and joy, that we're proud of them, that we're positive about their achievements. But there is a line we cross when we're putting so much pressure on them to achieve, that actually it's, again, more about us than it is about them. Amen? Have you ever had parents, have you ever had one of those conversations, and, and partway through you realize it's one of those competing and comparing conversations? you ever had one of these? So how old was your child when it started walking? <laughs> you ever had that conversation? Yeah, about ten months. Oh, ours was nine. Nine months, yeah. And talking? Well, our child came out talking. Came out of the womb talking. First thing he said to me, lovely to meet you. Shook my hand. (laughs) You know what I mean? Those kinds of conversations where our children are our own little trophies, our extensions of our own egos. Put that onto the child, and again, it exasperates their little spirits. Because we're trying to get them to be something for us, rather than something for the Lord. I remember a friend of mine who was, uh, he he used to say... um, of his father. His father was a tennis coach, and he had two boys, two sons. And uh, with these sons, he was the one who wasn't so good at tennis. And his father was a tennis coach, and almost to become professional himself. And guess what his father wanted his boys to be? Professional players. And so he was the son who wasn't as good at tennis. And he was the son, therefore, who got shouted at the most, who felt that look of disappointment when he dropped a shot. And he he told me, I was was helping him through some of these issues, and he told me about one particular day where he remembers this day where on the tennis court, his father shouted at him, and he couldn't take it. Something in him snapped. It's like he walked home that day, and he resolved himself to the fact that he would never be good enough for this man. Never be good enough to be his son. And grew up with all kinds of issues. Worked through those issues in his teenage years in disastrous ways. Looking for the kind of attention and approval that he should have had from his father. And of course, the reason I was chatting to him as his pastor was because now he had kids and he was struggling to raise his own children. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't put unhealthy, unrealistic pressures on. Don't let them become the extension of our own ego. Let them be what the Lord wants them to be. Amen? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, and here we come into land on the positive, instead, bring them up in the instructions and teachings of the Lord. 
Here Paul is talking about both correcting the negative and encouraging the positive. We need as parents to find appropriate forms of correction for our children. I say appropriate because I don't know that there's a one-size-fits-all when we start talking about this. Of course the controversial issue is should we smack our children? And whilst Proverbs definitely talks about that, you can also hear in Proverbs that it's coming from a father-son relationship that's very positive otherwise. Now often that isn't the case, and often therefore any physical discipline needs to be thought through very carefully about the way that affects the child. I think back to my own childhood, I'm very grateful to my parents that they did smack me. (laughs) I needed it. I was a strong-willed and stubborn child. But of course I've changed. (laughs) Whereas my sisters, they, they didn't need a smack, they just needed a look and it was enough. You know, parenting needs to be bespoke, doesn't it? Our children are so different. We need to find bespoke parenting, bespoke correction that is appropriate for where they're at and what they need. But we should also be aware of no correction. You know, there's a whole move, isn't there, today, just to have conversations with our children. How did you feel when you flushed my iPhone down the toilet? You know, how did it make you feel to push your brother into the car that was coming? You know, don't talk about that. Correct it. (laughs) There's got to come a point where we draw lines and say, you cross the line, this is the deal. If we don't, our children can feel that we have almost not cared enough to bring the correction that they need. So on the one hand, correct the negative. On the other hand, encourage the positive. Fathers, bring them up in the instruction and teachings of the Lord. Can I notice, this isn't Mother's Day and this isn't giving um, mothers a holiday, but can you notice that Paul just addresses fathers? You notice that? That's not to the exclusion of mothers, but it's probably Paul just assuming, as most people rightly should, that if he just tells the mothers to do it, the fathers won't bother. But if he tells the fathers to do it, they'll both do it. (laughs) Because if there's one who's going to opt out, it's typically the fathers. If there's one who's going to think, oh, well, that's the kids, they're the mother's responsibility, they're for the Sunday school teachers to sort out, that's for the nanny or the nursery to sort out, if there's someone who's going to be thinking like that, it's us dads, isn't it? We find our projects and our hobbies and our passions often out of the home and we put very little into the home. And so Paul says, no, no, dads, come on, listen now, dads, I'm talking to you, fathers. Fathers, this is for you. You, bring your children up in the instruction and teachings of the Lord. Don't leave it to the mums, dads now. It's your turn. It's your turn to be actively, intentionally thinking about how you are leading your home and your children in this regard. Scripture even refers in this kind of language to fathers as if they are pastors in their home. You know, pastor dad, you you are a pastor to your family. This is the whole point. If you haven't pastored your own family, you're not going to be invited to pastor God's family. (laughs) We need to show our ability to lead with this kind of balance and poise and wisdom in our homes. Fathers, bring up your children in the ways and teachings of the Lord. Sometimes this is taught, sometimes there are moments where we sit down with scripture and in prayer with our children and our families and we raise them in that kind of teaching. Sometimes it's taught and sometimes it's just caught, isn't it? You know what I mean? These things are taught and caught. It's partly just that our children, by being with us, will see how we do life and out of that will learn for themselves. It's caught and it's taught. Fathers, bring your children up in the instruction and teaching of the Lord. So I'll finish with a couple of examples of where I benefited from this. Notice pointing away from my own example to my own parents. 
And I think firstly of my mother, who taught me, through more court than taught, taught me that as a family, we believe in prayer. One of the things I got from my mum is that as a family, we pray. We believe that we're, we have a God who answers prayer. She didn't, she didn't teach me that. There was, I can never remember a moment when my mum sat me down and said, now Andrew, we believe in prayer. But she didn't need to say it, because she showed it. I remember on one occasion, um, we, didn't have a, we didn't have much money, and um, I needed a new school blazer. Um, and it needed to have the right school badge on it, and you couldn't buy just a black one and stick the badge on it, all those kinds of, you know, the deal, parents. Um, and it was expensive from the actual school shop, the only authorised place to buy it from, which is a scam, isn't it? From the school shop, um, it was very, very expensive. Very expensive. And my mum just saying, I remember my mum saying to me, we don't have the money to buy you a new school blazer. And it was approaching, fast approaching the start of term. And then I remember my mum saying, so we're going to pray. <laughs> I remember laughing. I remember thinking, what? What, are we gonna, what do you mean we're going to pray? What's that going to do? It's not like the blazer's going to drop from heaven, is it? It's not like the school are going to phone up and say, oh, well, because you've prayed, you're going to have one. Pray? What's that going to do? So we prayed, or my mum prayed. I didn't pray. I laughed. She prayed. And then we went into town where we, near where we lived, and we went shopping, and we walked into, we parked, and we, I remember this very clearly, we parked and walked into the charity shop just where we parked. We walked in, we walked up to the first rack of clothes, took off a blazer from my school in my size and bought it. <laughs> and I remember in that moment realizing, wow, in this family we pray and God answers prayer. My mum taught me that, not by speaking something to me, but by showing me her confidence in God. And then I think of my father. I remember, um, you, know, you know, I mentioned earlier this Sunday school teacher that heard me preach the other week. She said, you know, you just like your father. Well, the other thing she said, which is less, less kind, but very fair, she said, um, knowing me from when I was a child, she said, oh, you were a terrible child. She said, you were a terrible child. Which, she's right, I was. Um, and then she said, and it was your father who sorted you out. Because you were a terrible child, and it was your father who sorted you out. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, it was all those mountains that you used to go climbing with him, that sorted you out. And what she's referring to is that through my teenage years, I was a terrible child, very strong-willed and a bit rebellious. My father invested huge amounts of time in me. He used to take, we used to go climbing mountains in Scotland. They're called Munros. Some of you may probably haven't heard of them. But anyway, we used to go climbing mountains in winter, in snow and ice, and in summer. And uh, as I, I, I often say that I went up my first mountain, a boy, and I came down my last mountain, a man. And my father made a man out of me by investing time in me, raising me on the job, if you like. Just spending time doing something like that took hold of my life and sorted me out in ways that I really needed. Fathers, bring up your children in the instruction and teaching of the Lord. Invest quality time in them. We get one shot at this, and it's really important. One shot at it. This is not a dress rehearsal. One shot at this, and it's really important. I remember on one occasion, um, it was very, very windy. We were probably about 500 feet below the summit, and it was so windy, it was blowing me off my feet. I remember my father, I was always all for turning back, you know, as a child. I was all for turning back, I was probably a teenager at this stage. I remember instead he took um, the dog's lead and he clipped the dog's lead onto me and tied it onto himself <laughs> so that I was attached to him and said, we're going to climb this thing. Now again, that taught me a lesson. We don't quit. We, we don't turn back in fear. We find a way to move forwards positively. 
All these opportunities were for teaching through doing. And they brought me up in the ways of the Lord. I remember another occasion where we'd gone up um, the backside, the north side of a mountain, and it was far more iced up than we'd expected, and we didn't have our winter climbing stuff. And I, again, I was all for turning back, and I just remember my father saying, look, this is what we're going to do. I'll kick steps in the ice, because he had much bigger feet than me at that time, and you just put your feet into my footsteps, and we're going to climb this thing. And we went up this um, ice, uh, snow and ice face, in that kind of pattern, he kicked his feet in with his ice axe, and I followed in his steps, and we climbed it. And all the while, it's teaching me, isn't it? It's a father with his son, nurturing him to trust and put your hope in God and take steps of courage to be a man. Fathers, bring your children up in the ways of the Lord. Now, as you see that picture of a father cutting steps for his son and showing him the way, I want to finish with that as the picture of God our Father, inviting us to follow him today. You know, he's cut the steps for us, hasn't he? He's shown us the way. We don't have to do this whole thing on our own. If we're parents today, we're not alone in the task of parenting. There's a Father in heaven, and he wants to help us on earth to get it right by putting one foot in front of the other and following him. He's got the resources. He's got the wisdom. We need to look to him. And so for this reason, Paul says, because of all the challenges we face... Because some of us feel like we're failing. Because some of us feel like we don't have the resources that we need. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. and say, Father, I need your help. I need to be your son and your daughter. If you've not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, I need you to become my father. And out of being your child, I need you to help me raise my children. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. And in this place of weakness we find a whole new strength. Amen? In this place of weakness, on our knees, maybe there's challenges in your life. Maybe they have nothing to do with parenting. It might be financial or relational or other things. But for whatever reason, you feel emotionally like you're on your knees. Stuff in life has brought you to your knees. This place that you thought was a place of weakness could become for you the very place of strength. Because having been brought to your knees through circumstances, through kids, whatever it might be, it's a place to say, Father, help. In this posture, we're ready to receive his help in Jesus' name. So I want to invite you, as I kneel, if you're in that place, if you feel emotionally this morning like you are on your knees with challenges, you feel like you're climbing a mountain, and you don't have the resources, and you feel alone with it, I want to invite you to join me on your knees before the Father and to ask for his help. Amen? So just kneel with me. If that's where you're at and you want to respond, just kneel with me as we close and uh, I'd like to just pray with you. We sang earlier, maybe in a moment we could sing um, to finish. Your love, your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Higher than the mountain that I face is your love for me. Father, you know, we kneel before you this morning because we are aware of mountains that we face. Challenges that have brought us to our knees. For some of us, it is our children. We love them, and yet we feel failed at times in how we're raising them. We're acutely aware of some of the struggles 
some of the guilt that we feel, the shame that we feel, some of the things that we see in them that are concerning us. We love them deeply, Father, and, and yet we don't know on our own how to help them. And we are kneeling before you for this reason. For, for that reason, Father, we kneel before you, saying, God, we need your help. It may be not kids, it may be finances or relationships or other things that have brought us to our knees. And Lord, from our place of weakness, we are kneeling because we're saying, Lord, would you give us strength? Would our place of weakness this morning become our very place of strength? And so, Father, I reach out my hands over this congregation and I pray for everyone who's kneeling. Father, would you come now and just begin to put fresh hope into their souls for the mountains that they face, fresh hope, fresh resources. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you pour out your Holy Spirit now. Come, Holy Spirit. Begin to for, uh, create a tingling sensation of hope, a sense in our hearts that things are changing today, turning points, because we're on our knees before the Father of heaven and there are new resources. There are new resources. I felt as I was praying earlier today a picture of a, a lady in a kitchen and she was looking to find from a cupboard um, something for the family to eat. And she opened the cupboard and it just felt empty and the, the few things in there seemed out of date and, and, and hopeless. I just felt like the Lord was saying, there's another cupboard now that you can start taking food from. There's another resources that I'm giving to you. And as that lady turned, there was another cupboard. She opened that and it was brimming with new stuff. And I just feel the Lord saying that. Don't feel like you're left alone with your past and with the old stuff anymore. New resources today. There's a new cupboard opened in your life today. Start taking stuff out of that. So, Father in heaven, we lift our hearts to you on our knees and say, would you help us? Would you put hope back in our hearts, courage back in our souls, joy in the spring in our step as we walk from this place? May we be freshly energized by your great love for us for every challenge that we face. In Jesus' name, amen.